How is everybody doing? And welcome back to another Strength Chat episode. Today, I have got a very special guest for you all. So today, I am joined by the founder and director of Motion. Today, I am joined by the one and only Kelly Mann. How are you doing? Thanks for that introduction. That was great. Uh, I'm good. Thank you. Uh, no worries at all. Thanks a lot for for taking the time to jump on. How are you? What, what's been happening in your world recently? I'm very good. I'm very good. Um, recently, I have been doing my thing with coaching and doing our thing at work. Um, we had a really big 2022 and 2023 is cracking on to be just as big in different ways. So I've been laying some foundations at work with systems and stuff. And uh, we're about to start comp season here um, with the States. So we had uh, New South Wales women's states last weekend. We've got men's states this weekend. Then we've got Queensland states. Um, a lot of competitions coming up. Um, so that's pretty much it on the on that. Uh, lots of coaching um, going on. Nice. Uh, pretty much that's about it at the moment. Um, yeah. Plenty of things to keep you busy then. <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. Yep, I do, I do. We all do. So yeah. we've got a lot of athletes um, competing in Australia at the moment. So once that's over, we get a little bit of a break going into next year. Um, and then we've got the Nationals leading into Worlds. Yeah. Oh, cool. And I know obviously I did um, a little bit of a, a little bit of an introduction there, but for yeah. everyone listening who might not know your background in terms of coaching, you know, the athletes that, you, that you're working with, just want to give a little bit of a, of a background to yourself. Um, so I'm the founder and director of Perform Motion. Um, we started as an exercise physiology. So my background is in exercise physiology. Um, I went to back to uni um, when I was 30 and I studied ex-phys and I was I was powerlifting myself at the time. And uh, I ended up getting really injured to the point where I couldn't continue the sport. Um, I had a shoulder, ended up needing a shoulder reconstruction. And it was just from not really looking after myself and not really following a program that was suited to me um, at that time and pushing through that. So when I went to uni, I was in uni when I needed the shoulder reconstruction. I thought, um, well, I really like powerlifting and I really like this rehab part. And I can see there's a really – back then it was like 2017, so everyone was like doing 10, 5 by 10 uh, linear progression without any break back then, right? So there was a lot of walking injured people, a lot of people carrying injuries all, all the time, especially in Australia. So I saw a bit of a hole in the market. And by the time I finished my fourth year, I was already booked out with a whole heap of powerlifters. Sorry, I'll just turn off my WhatsApp. <laughs> uh, with a whole heap of with a whole heap of powerlifters that were broken. Um, so that just took off. Um, and then I was working in powerlifting gyms, and I was still powerlifting myself, but I'd given up competing at that stage because it, competing didn't really suit it for me. I really preferred the other side. Yeah. Um, at that time, which was supporting coaches um, with the rehab part and also doing a little bit of coaching myself on the side. I probably had about 10, 10 to 15 people that I was coaching at that side too, that from my PT days, uh, PT, personal trainer here. Yeah. Um, so then I got to the point where I was like, well, I need some help with this. So I uh, hired Tom, who's been working from with me from day one. And he was doing exercise physiology as well uh, with powerlifters. He was really into strongmen. And then from there, we just kept growing um, 
to the point where someone would get full and I'd be like, all right, I need to hire someone else. Then in 2021, uh, we needed to move into the facility we're at now. Um, and I had, was approached by someone, Stephen Day, who I've known, I've known Stephen for a very long time. Uh, he approached me and said, look, there's a hole in the market for online coaching. Uh, I know you guys are really good and you've got an awesome team. I'd really like to come on and attack the online coaching realm. At first I was like, nah, I don't know, because it was in the middle of COVID. And I, for, for some reason I usually see, I can usually foresee stuff when it comes to business and holes in market, but I really didn't see the online coaching hole in the market here because there wasn't much. Yeah. Um, and then uh, that was in 2021. And the start of 2021 with the uh, online coaching was slow. It was really slow. So I thought, oh, yeah, all right, well, we'll give this a go. And then 2022, the online coaching just boomed, yeah. like, all around the world. It just boomed because at the end of COVID, more people doing powerlifting, powerlifting's on TikTok. And then from there, um, it just kept going. So I had to hire more people. Uh, we ended up with now, I think we've got, I think there's 11 or 12 of us. Nice. Um, some of them, three of them exercise physiologists, so they only do. So I ended up splitting the business because it got too muddy with ex-phys and powerlifting. Yeah. So I split the business with ex-phys on one side and coaches on the other. And 2023, we've spent, um, not, not we've spent ironing out the systems to catch up to the, what happened in 2021 and 2022. Yeah. So 2023, I've um, ended up catching up in my own head on my own business. And that's pretty much it. And then myself, I coach around, uh, I coach athletes um, of all uh, calibre, um, a fair few uh, high-end uh, advanced ones. And yeah. then I've also got still got athletes and people that have been with me from 2016. Nice. And with yeah. that, because obviously when you mentioned there, you know, the the boom of sort of like online, this might be a little bit of a tangent, but kind of like the boom of yeah, um, online, uh, online coaching, yeah. Did you ever envisage, you know, when you when you first started coaching, that it would grow to be what it is now, or just kind Absolutely. of like taking it as it, not as it's come, but do you know what I mean? Just taking it, just just got along with it, and then like what you say, catching up on everything now. Absolutely not. I had no idea. So yeah. I knew that myself, I was, you know, running face to face sessions. I knew that there was a time limit on it. I knew that I couldn't do this for the rest of my life because it was just too taxing. Yeah. As it turns out, online coaching is also very taxing if you do it properly. Yeah. Um, I didn't envision it, but one thing with small businesses, if you don't let yourself open to different opportunities, you're closing the door. Yeah. So I always make, I always have a, a an idea in my head and then I'll let it sit and I'll let it sit until it's right, ready to go. And then I'll be like, and then I'll we'll like, okay, let's do that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that happened with Stephen had a great idea of opening up the junior squad and having a junior squad. Um, I let it sit in my head at first. I was like, nah. And then he'll, <laughs> he'll always hold that against me. And, and then I let it sit for a bit. And then I was like, hang on, there's a really big market in the juniors because they're the future of powerlifting. So yeah. now we have a lot of we've got a lot of juniors that will stay with us for a long time if we keep if we keep providing a really good service for them. Yeah. So yeah. all in all, no, I didn't yeah. I didn't expect it. I don't think anyone did really. Yeah. Um, but you know, at the moment it's you know, it's fa it's not phasing out, but it's it's the plateau of it now because yeah. you know, there's only so many people who will do online coaching. So there's there's a you know, 
we, we need to think about what our next step is now in terms of a, a business strategy, which is what I'm in the middle of at the moment. Yeah. Oh, cool. And with that, and this is just from, you know, conversations from, from other coaches, you mentioned there, you know, catching up on things from a, from a business point of view, obviously trying yep. to balance coaching and running, running a business. How yep. have you, how have you kind of, kind of find that? Is there any challenges that you've, that, that you face with that being, because I know yep. for a lot, for a lot of coaches, you know, there's that coaching head of, you know, I'm going to be able to help this athlete, help this client, but then the business side yep. of things, you also need to carve out time to be able to do that as well. Yeah. So two things that I've always lived by is get help. So I have enough people around me who can help me. Yeah. That's number one. Um, I always will. So people who uh, I've hired who, for jobs that, you know, necessarily, um, you know, I could have done it longer or, but I, I like to stick with my strengths and that's number two, stick with your strengths. Don't try and do your weaknesses, get people to help you for your weaknesses. So um, Stephen and I work really well together in the fact that he does all the um, data, data collecting and reading stats and stuff like that. And all that back end, whereas I don't have the brain to do that nor the want to do that. So I'm not going to, mm-hmm. um, I like to hear that. I like to hear the end result, but I'm not going to put it together. um (laughs) so uh those are the two things get help and work to your strengths and understand your weaknesses in business because everyone has strengths and weaknesses in business as well and managing the coaching as well as managing employees that is the hardest thing that i do and it always will be the hardest thing that i do um and i just make sure that i get help with it and i make sure that i'm very transparent with where i'm at at that time and uh, i've learned to Probably just this year, I think I've learned to roll with the punches more at work. Um, you can't always be pressing to get bigger. You're, um, those are the types of mindset shifts that I've had yeah. um, that help to balance me out, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think I think that's uh, some really good points to, to to focus on because I think sometimes especially from some of the conversations that I've had with coaches, you know, here, here in the UK is sometimes yeah. trying to do everything all at once. And it's kind of that, uh, the phrase, what is it? A, a jack of all trades, master of none. And then actually it becomes more of an actual hindrance than a, than a help really to, to do anything with that. It, it does. So even me, I was trying to do uh, exercise physiology and powerlifting at the same time myself. And it didn't, I couldn't, I couldn't be good at one or the other. So I decided to stop uh, exercise physiology and do powerlifting coaching. So yeah. can you hear my dog? Uh, maybe a little bit in, in, in the background. Do they, do they want to be <laughs> on the podcast as well? <laughs> there's a, uh, there's a truck that's come past and she's not going to stop barking. So <laughs> just kind of let it go. You can cut this part out if you want to, but... Yeah. Testing my editing skills. That's it's it's all right. I like I like a challenge. Um, <laughs> no, with with that, I know that was maybe a little bit of a tangent, but I thought relevant to again conversations I've had with uh, with coaches over the last couple of weeks. One thing that I did yeah. want to dive into, and you and you mentioned it there, you know, about your shoulder, you know, following a program that wasn't specific to you. Yeah, finding you know a training program and um, you know rehab um, program to help you. How do you um how how would you kind of define individualization when it comes to you working as a coach when an athlete comes towards you? What are you kind of looking for? Because 
there's loads of programs out there. There's loads of methods out there. But how do you kind of match that um, to to that lifter, that that athlete that's coming to you for for coaching? If that kind of makes sense. Yeah, it does. Are you talking from a powerlifting coaching perspective? Uh, from powerlifting, yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Okay. So basically, you want to just listen to the athlete at the start. Um, you're either dealing with a novice, intermediate, or uh, advanced lifter, right? So, what? Firstly, you want to get an idea of what type of lifter they are, where what their background is. So, if they're a novice lifter, we can assume that they don't have much data, that they um, their goals are a little bit different. They're doing it, you know, for more of a leisure type thing. They might want to go a bit further in the future. So, those are the types of things I'm going to take into perspective. Um, I'm going to take it in first. Then I'm going to look at um, uh, gender, weight, leverages, um, what they like, dislike, uh, training history, age, to put a program together. And then obviously because of because I've been doing it for a while, I'll have my biases in what I think works and what has worked. So, you know, if they have absolutely no idea about what has worked with them, I'll go towards my biases and see. If they have got an idea of what's worked for them in terms of frequency, intensity, and stuff, I'll ask them all those questions as I'm putting a program together, and I'll swing more towards what they're doing. Yeah. Um, that goes for all of them, actually, like uh, intermediate and advanced. I think the questioning for each just gets a little bit different. So the questioning for the lower end of the intermediate and novice is more around lifestyle, more around goals, more around what they want to achieve and stuff. Whereas advanced are usually coming to you for a reason and that reason uh, might be long-standing injury or it might be plateau or it might be wanting to get to the next level, you know, if they're on the cusp of getting there. So you are you have that goal that's driving you towards that, if that makes sense. Yeah, definitely. You, you, assume, you would assume that they've got their externals in track. You'd assume that they're getting enough sleep. You'd assume that they know how to do the one percenters. You'd assume that they're, They've had they've had good weight cutting strategies if they do weight cut. Um, you know, you touch on it, but you assume that they know what they're doing. And yeah. then so I don't need to give them as much education about that, but I do need to observe what they're doing to see if it's working or if there's little mini holes in it that that can be worked on. Yeah. They advance should have an idea of what they're doing. They should have an idea of the um things that do work, even if it's just like I always squat three times a week. Okay, cool. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's you know, like finding out finding out those little things. The difference with the advanced is they may have biases towards their own programming that they won't let go of. Yeah. Um. That you know we might I might need to teeth out of them or we might need to really change some minute things to see if it works. Yeah. Um. That's pretty much the differences there, but it's always going to come back to gender, weight, weight class. I'm saying. Um, size, leverages, uh, age, training age, training history, uh, progress and competitions, uh, and coaching history. What type of you know we 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 the industry has some you know people who do it similar. So mm -hmm. you know you can always get a uh, if you ask them who they were with or what what type of program they have run, you can get an idea of what their um what their strategies have been like towards the, the uh, platform. Yeah. And when you said there, obviously, a lot of it is, you know, whether it's beginner or, or sorry, novice, intermediate, advanced, always yep. asking questions to find out information about there. 
Does it? Yep. Does that change in terms of? Because obviously, like what you said about you know an advanced athlete, they're going to have an idea of what's worked in the past. How much yep. of it is because you know my kind of train of thought or philosophy is that it is a team effort. However, sometimes you know as a coach, you need to kind of direct rather than you know let let the let the athlete lead. How much yep. kind of communication and teamwork is it? Um, uh, you know, letting them sort of like say, look, this is what I've tried before. Let's give this a go. As opposed to how much are you kind of directing and saying, no, let's go down this path, if, if that kind of makes sense. For the novice and the intermediate, is that what you're asking? Yeah. Um, It depends. So it depends on the athlete. Some athletes will want me to just tell them what to do. Some athletes will want collaboration. So I'll always ask them, how does that feel? Do you feel strong? Um, how do you feel if I move this here? So it's not just going to be moving it without saying anything. It's going to be, hey, I'm taking this away. I'm putting this in here. What do you think about that? Yeah. yeah. That's it pretty much. Yeah. And with that, does that change with a, with an advanced athlete? Because obviously, you know, when you said there that they might have some biases to what they've, to what they've done before, is that straight off the bat a lot more collaboration? Or it, again, does it depend on, you know, what? Because sometimes, like, you know, some... Uh, athletes may have taken a little bit of time out from the sport. They might have, yep. you know, swapped coaches for an injury or whatever it may be. Is that is that more of a, a collaboration at that level? Yeah, it is more of a collaboration at that level. But again, it depends on the athlete. Some um, some like to have a little bit of collaboration, but they won't um, they won't dwell on that. Whereas others really really like to have a say. Um, some of them that really, really like to have a say may bias more towards self-coaching. So yeah. there is uh, a limit on how much you can collaborate before the waters get really super muddy. Mm -hmm. And, you know, like, um, and there is so much that you can change. Like I am a big believer in not changing something right until you know it's not going to work. Because if you change something before you know it's not going to work and it doesn't work, the program gets really muddy for advanced athletes because minute changes mean big changes in yeah. performance for them. So um, I'm very open to talking about it for sure, but I'm very um I do bias towards not making big changes with advance because when you do, it changes a lot of things. Yeah. And with that, because obviously when you when you mentioned there about changes, that, you know, part of the coaching is obviously, you know, uh, tracking the data, you know, supplying the programming. But do you think yeah. actually to get the to get the results or get the out desired outcome that you want, it actually comes down to that coach athlete relationship and and you know knowing what communication um the the athlete needs to be able to build up that rapport if that kind of makes sense yeah definitely yeah. so yeah. you know you learn that over time i've got some um athletes well the goal is at the end of the day to have less and less communication in terms of um general chat about you know what's working what's not blah 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 that's that that you know is the goal is to get that less. The goal is to have yeah. less, less technical feedback, less, you know, more about do you feel strong? Do you not feel strong? Are you ready for this? You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, that is the overarching goal of everybody's program to move them towards not having to spend lots of time finding out what works. Yeah. 
that makes sense yeah definitely and with that i know from you know from from my kind of perspective so i work with quite a lot of lifters that are either um have been training in the gym but want to start competing in in actually competing in a in the sport of powerlifting or are like you know generally new to to powerlifting or they've got a couple of competitions underneath the belt so novice to to intermediate and that'll be you know some of the uh, some of the listeners uh, as well with that you know when you're addressing technique giving that feedback looking to you know know what works what um how do you kind of filter that through and trying to refine that a little bit more? What's kind of your process? Because I know sometimes, you know, as a as a novice, everything works and they make progress. And it's only after a while that it's like, ah, okay, so now we need to start changing. How, what, how's, how, does, um, how do you kind well, of filter that through? <clears throat> when you find a good blueprint for a microcycle and it's working, don't change it, number yeah. one. So if you find it doesn't matter if they're novice, intermediate, or advanced, if you find a good microcycle and it's working, don't change it until it really stops working. And the only thing that's going to really stop it working is stimulus and fatigue, right? That's it. It's the only thing, you know. Do they get too strong that they cannot do X and that they need an extra day break between squats and deadlifts? You get what I mean? Is the absolute low higher? Do they need that? Bench. Do they get to a point where they haven't made progress with three times a week for at least four to five blocks of training? Yes, put some more bench in. Do you have like so? It's like a checklist. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, have you been running fives on deadlifts for the last year and they're not making much progress? Are they still recovering? Yes. Okay. Let's try a different rep range. Yeah. Do you get what I mean? So yeah. you're not. Have to answer, you have to answer these questions yourself. Are they recovering? Yes. Don't change the micro. Are they not recovering? No. Okay. What's making them not recover in the micro? Is it externals or is it is it the micro? If you check yes for that, change something in the micro very slow, so uh, very small to see what happens. It's usually something is too close together because they've gotten stronger, right? Are they getting stronger? Yes. Don't change it. Are they not getting stronger? No. Okay. Why? Do you get what I mean? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Keeping it, keeping it that simple, you have to keep it that simple, um, and and don't not changing it just because the sake of you know a lot of times people will want to change things for, for the sake of novelty. That's yeah. great, but I still keep the blueprint of the micro the same, and I'll change things like sets and reps or variation. But the but the actual blueprint will stay the same. If you change the blueprint completely. Um, you're going to be running into different types of adaptations that occur over time and it's harder to go back. It might work for some people. You might have, some people might need a total reset, but as long as you as a coach understand that that total reset may lead to positive changes or may lead to changes that aren't so positive in terms of getting stronger because that's what you want at the end of the day, right? Yeah. Um, then have that, have that in your mind. Don't just change it without thinking about the, what might happen and foreseeing the future, then that's how I make changes. Yeah. I think with that, um, and it's kind of how my brain was working there is like um, following like a, a flow chart and it's like, right, yeah. if this happened, go, go from there, which I think 
And what I really liked what, from what you said there is just keeping it simple. I think sometimes, you know, the more things that you, that you change, it then becomes hard to track and, you know, what worked and yeah. what, what worked and, you know, what, what didn't work. In terms of the the, the timings of that and the, because um, you said there, you know, change their, um, change their sets, of, sets and reps, for example, with the um, how many sort of, chances to you give it before before you change because I know and I'm sure you've had this as well you know lifters who have just had um either traveling with work or you know a rubbish couple of sessions and things aren't um right outside of the gym what's kind of your your process before you think right actually let's let's change that because when you said you know are they getting stronger what what's the because everyone will ask how long do I do this for and sometimes you know it can be it, it depends, you know, how, how is it, how is it going to keep just, going from there? You've just answered your own question. It depends. <laughs> it's yeah. all very, that's very individualized. That's where you come into collaboration. That's when you come into lifter enjoyment. That's when you come into, okay, how long has it been? Do you get what I mean? Yeah. Um, that's when you're checking in with the actual athlete to see what they want. They might be okay with still keeping it there and then plodding along. I've had athletes that haven't pro- progressed in what I'm doing on paper for ages. And then all of a sudden they come out and hit a massive PR. I've got one of my oldest clients who's been with me. He won't make any progress on his program um, in terms of numbers for blocks. And then all of a sudden I'll wash out one little bit of fatigue and he just explodes. So I don't know that that's going to happen until I've run what I'm assuming isn't working for a really long time and then make one change of debt, bringing a set down, and then all of a sudden he peaks. Yeah. Do you get what I mean? Yeah, yeah, definitely. And then asking him, you know, are you okay with this? And he, he'll say, yeah, that's fine. I, you know, I know what I'm doing. I'm just, because it's all stimulus, right? You're still getting a stimulus. If it's not progressing, you're still getting a stimulus and you need to change something to wash out some fatigue somewhere. Yeah. It doesn't mean it needs a complete overhaul. It just means something. And it can be as small as one set. Yeah. Yeah, that's absolutely. where you just that's where you just talk to the athlete and say, "How are you feeling? Do you feel like you're getting stronger?" They might say, "Yeah, I feel like I'm getting stronger," you know, and but it might be like, "Okay, if you feel like you're getting stronger, how come you're not putting load on the bar?" And it might be something completely different, or they might say, "I prefer to train static." Oh, okay, you prefer to train static up here. Let's do static up here. Yeah. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. And with that, because just going back to what we spoke about at the start about. You know, when you're first working with a uh, with an athlete, asking those questions, you know, what finding out a little bit more more information. What I'm kind of taking from that is that it's going to take a little bit of patience and you know, and trust trusting the process. From a lifter's point of view, do you think that's sometimes where a lot of a lot of lifters, a lot of athletes, maybe kind of like tread water a little bit because they don't give things enough time and they think, right, well, actually, yeah. I need to jump coaches, yeah. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, because I think sometimes because there's so much out there, and because powerlifting has kind of, you know, exploded. I think obviously, I think this year was the was the most amount of lifters at, at worlds that that that, that, yeah. that we've been. And obviously, we've with Sheffield at the start of the year, Sheffield again yeah. again next year as a sport. It's kind of it's kind of blown up, but yeah. you know, there's people that have been competing, you know, x amount of years that have you know put the yeah. put the hours in and, and grown and and you know being patient to get to get stronger from there with yeah. the when you're looking at the uh, and when we've spoken about you know timing of changing things and and uh 
you know, when to when to change around the program. How important is kind of uh, tracking the data and looking for looking for trends when it comes to when it comes to coaching? It's super important, but it's not the be all and end all. So it's really important to have the major trends, like the intensity that someone likes to work at, the rep ranges that someone likes to work at, time to peak is a good one. Uh, generalized block length is another good one. Um, uh, how the lifter feels on each day is another good one. A lot of it is feedback you can get from the lifter on the daily basis. Um, the, all the other stuff like average RPE and, you know, all the um, all that type of stuff, some, some coaches and some businesses really like it and that's their model. I prefer to work more on a reactive feedback type way that, everything changes and it will change yeah so yes but it depends (laughs) yeah and with that because you know is there a time where you'll look or want to look more at the sort of like external factors things outside of the gym compared to the numbers the numbers in the gym because because there's so many variables that can impact for performance and you know not everything is going to be plain sailing all the time are there times depending on the the athlete that you're working with where you'll favor one over the other or yep um not really no no not really yeah not really why why Um, why is that is that just because it's all information there to be used Yep, it's all information there to be used. So you're just using it all all in one go. Yeah. Do you get what I mean? So you won't favor one type of data. You won't favor one type of feedback. It's just all information and you're just talking to the athlete. Yeah. And with that, yep. with that as well, you know, is it because you've mentioned there, you know, you're working with athletes since, you know, 2016 to 2017. How much would you then refer back to information that you've got at the past or when you look about problem solving, is it always kind yeah, of looking I, Yeah. With the advanced guys, I'll always look back at what they have done in their peaks and uh, a lot of other athletes and how I've peaked them before. If I've peaked them before and it's worked, I'll run something similar. If it's, if we're in a similar position, if I, if we're in not in a similar position, I'll look at what they've done before into competitions that work, went really well and I'll um, adjust something that will help them to divert back to what where the type of stimulus that they were getting for that uh, previous competition, basically. Yeah. And so that's the... where I'm looking at. That's where I'm looking at intensity, and that's where I'm looking at rep ranges, and that's where I'm looking at performance in general. Yeah. And when it comes to the competitions, because I know you know in powerlifting, there's going to be gaps. There's going to be gaps between between powerlifting uh, competitions. How do you um you know? is the goal to then build on every competition or what happens if, for example, you know, everything goes well within the training, but then competition doesn't, doesn't go as well. How much does that then impact beyond the competition? Well, you, with every competition, you have to do an analysis of why it didn't go well. Was it the peak? Was it the taper? Some A lot of the times, the better you get at writing tapers, the more you can see that the, the taper is vital. So it, was it the intensity running into it? Was it externals? Was it the weight cut? That can be a really big one as well. So, you know, you don't want to overhaul the whole program before you haven't looked into all of those things. If you are really um, sure that your program running into the peak and then the taper is really good, then it's something to do with what's happened on the platform. Might be mindset, weight cut, 
um, externals on the day, not feeling like they could get on, you know, get um, not feeling something on the day, asking them why and having a chat with them about that. If they get there to get there and they go, I felt I felt really good, really good in the taper. I felt really good. Everything just felt heavy. Then you need to figure out why. Did you take too much away in the taper? Did you leave too much in in the taper? If you're looking at a female, nine times out of ten, you've taken too much away. Yeah. Um, do you get what I mean? Um, yeah, yeah. Do they need to run a no taper? All those things. So you don't want to. <clears throat> I just said all of those things, all up until the taper. So. Yeah. You don't want to overhaul your program. You probably just want to get better at tapering, which is an art in itself. Yeah. And with that, because, you know, you've mentioned there about, um, you know, if the mindset wasn't there or, you know, yep. the, the tapering or the, or the weight cut, more from sort of like the online side of things, because, you know, obviously in person, you know, being in Australia, you can actually get to the competitions. You might, you know, I know um, being to, to other other competitions there, but how much, you know, from a uh, from the online side of things, do you, you know, do you have, do you then speak to their handler on, on the day? How do you kind of gather that information? So or not there? I prefer, I prefer to talk to them before the day. And then I prefer to not say a word until maybe into the deadlifts if we're going into a battle. If there, if there's no no battle and there's nothing, I don't talk to them at all because um, it's uh, it's not needed. If yeah. I've done my job, it's very, very simple um, what's going to happen. Um, you know, And but if there is going into a battle, I will be open to talk during deadlifts, um, but... At the end of the day, uh, I won't be calling the numbers because I'm not there and I can't see what's happening. Yeah. So I will give a top end and I will give a, an idea. And then if they ask me a strategy, I'll go with doing that. But I won't call shots because I'm not actually there. Yeah. And does that, is that something that, you know, would, something that you would look to want to uh, maybe change with, with that in terms of speaking to if they've got any people handling them because I know you know the kind of game day handling is becoming is is a skill in itself or in terms of just the coaching and the programming like what you said there is it just a case of look this is the plan this is what we're going to do leave it to them on yep. the day. Yeah. Uh, again I'll open it to how much they want to talk to me yeah so if they want to talk to me I'll have it open uh, if they don't then I won't yeah. So yeah, it depends on um it depends on how good they are at multitasking. It also depends yeah. on how how um how advanced at hand game day handling they are. Because the better you get at game day handling, the less anxiety and emotion you have in it. Yeah. So if it's a type of handler that there's a lot of anxiety and emotion in it, I'll say less. Yeah. And do you find with the with the athletes that you've got now, do you find that a lot of them do, you know, speak to you on on, on competition day or is totally, it totally yeah totally individual yeah yeah totally individual so it depends on the type of lifter they are some lifters do not like to have their phone on at all and they like to stay in the zone yeah other lifters <clears throat> other lifters will send me funny jokes in the middle of the <laughs> um in the middle of a squats and bench um which i've had before yeah. um whereas others spend too much time on their phone and I'm telling them to get off and get in into the zone. So it all, it's all very individualized and a game day itself for the athletes is a, 
is um, something that they get better at over time. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I can. Uh, I, I'm probably more of the first one. I'm very much. Um, yeah, I'll do as I told. Just there. Uh, j- just switch off and yeah, just go. Just go lift some weight. Um, yeah. We spoke about quite a lot of topics there and a couple of tangents. A couple of tangents thrown in, but from everything that we've chatted about today, for everyone listening, what would be your take-home points or words of wisdom? Uh, from a coaching perspective or a business perspective, because uh, let's go, let's go both. <laughs> let's let's go both. Okay. Um, I think what I just said in business, it's really um, important to, if you're wanting to grow, to open yourself up to different opportunities and not um, get stuck in black and white thinking. That's number number one, I think. Um. Don't make decision. Make the decision and have it in your head. And then when you're ready to pull the trigger, pull the trigger. Um, and then coaching is don't be afraid to try different things, and also um, set your expectations and boundaries very early, uh, and keep to them. And then because that's a mistake I I made, which is a lot of coaching coaches made. And then there was one more. Um, don't change the program until you're really sure it's not going to work. <laughs> I think there's some uh, some good uh, some good take home points and words and wisdom on, on both sides there. Thanks a lot, Kelly, for for taking no worries. The jump on. Um, for anyone uh, who has any questions about what we've chatted yep. about today, see the content that you put out there, or or reach out to you for for coaching. Where could people yep. find you or reach out to you? Instagram. So Kelly at perform Kelly under Kelly Man underscore perform motion uh, is my handle nice um thanks a lot for taking the time to jump on today really really enjoyed chatting with you today thanks a lot for listening and i will see you all next week no worries thank you